0: Welcome to Religion for Life, a program at the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life. My name is John Shuck. I'm the minister of the First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee, Religion for Life is a co-production of WETS on the campus of East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, Tennessee, and WEHC on the campus of Emory & Henry College in Emory, Virginia. With me in the studio are three hospital chaplains with the Mountain State Health Alliance, and they are with me as part of National Pastoral Care Week, which is October 21st through the 27th. Pastoral Care Week gives opportunities for organizations and institutions of all kinds and types to recognize the spiritual caregivers in their midst and the ministry which the caregivers provide. And so we're fortunate today to have three uh, senior chaplains. Debbie Shields, who is the senior chaplain of Washington County, Tennessee hospitals, including the Johnson City Medical Center. Kathy Haga, who is the senior chaplain at Smith County Community Hospital in Marion, Virginia, and Ellie Novak Schofield, senior chaplain at Johnston Memorial Hospital in Abingdon, Virginia. Welcome to all of you.
1: Thank you, thank you. Good so to glad you you're here.
0: glad you're here with me on Religion for Life. I wonder if we can just go around a little bit and and tell me tell us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, when did you become a chaplain, and and what's your uh, Denominational affiliation and whatnot. Can we start with you, Kathy? Uh,
2: sure, and and you're going to have to hear a, a mysteriously tumultuous story. But all right, that's but great. Not without its humor, and and who knows what the is about? I'll just go with it. Um, I I was called into the ministry when I was a little girl, but I was a little Southern Baptist girl, so I didn't know what to do with it, and mm-hmm. and of course, no no man around me wanted to hear about it, and so I kept trying to to get at my call or be almost at it by uh, teaching. At first, I, I've been a teacher for 20-some years because the podium is pretty close to the pulpit. It's just not quite, and you get to enjoy words. After all, I was a Baptist, and, and, and Lagos was, was wonderful for me. Um, but it's true that after a while, you, you become a minister because you can't avoid becoming a minister. And so I I went to Divinity School after about my eighth year of teaching at Virginia Tech and uh, was trying to become an Episcopal priest, and that was a very strange thing. It, it would be strange trying to turn a Southern Baptist into an Anglican. And and that was—I loved everything Celtic and poetic about the, the Episcopal Church, but um, so many things got killed off by the institution. Mm-hmm. And And eventually I was in the Diocese of Newark, and even dear old John Shelby Spong said— i have no idea where to put you and and he was right about that because i've never been comfortable in parish ministry and uh-huh. i've and i've tried i've been installed i've done my best and so hospital chaplaincy lets me be who i truly am it's where i belong i can be i can be a mother without trying to be any kind of ceo of the ecclesial institution and and whatever is torturing me in my own going Love-hate relationship with that institution. Love the body of Christ. Stay confused about the institution. It gets <laughs> gets put to rest. And and so now I'm, I went from Episcopal to American Baptist, and now I'm I'm a happy Presbyterian. And,
0: Presbyterian. The same same as me. Yes. Yeah. Presbyterian. And and well, there is kind of a difference between the parish clergy and specialized clergy in some ways. And you've you've uh, illustrated some of those right now. Some of that's the politics of the whole thing. Yes. Yes. All right, Kathy Haga is the chaplain at the Smith County Community mm-hmm. Hospital in Marion, Virginia. Thanks, Kathy. And and um Ellie Novak Schofield, the chaplain at the Johnston Memorial Hospital in Abingdon, Virginia. How did you happen to get into uh chaplaincy?
1: Well, my story comes from Connecticut. I'm a good old Yankee gal coming from Connecticut. And as I was sharing before we started, uh in Connecticut I used to always wear a shirt with Peter Pan. And people always used to wonder, why are you wearing that? And I said, when I grow up, I'm going to be. And um, that's where my life has been. God has always been pecking at me, and I have done nursing for over 20 years. I've done teaching for 20 years, special ed for 14 years. And God was calling, and he was saying, I have one more job for you to do. And I started volunteering uh, at Johnson Memorial before 2004, um at Johnson Memorial and um and then all of a sudden someone said, Well do you want to learn about palliative care? Would you like to study that? I started studying that and then they were looking for a chap a spiritual counselor in palliative care and I applied and here I am. And um and a lot of my life I was a Roman Catholic nun for uh from eighteen to um a number of years. Then I left the church, uh, left a, a convent, and um, really got started and in, involved in the Episcopal Church. And um, so I started going to the Episcopal Church, and all of a sudden I said, oh, I still have a vocation. And so then I uh, studied at Yale in New Haven and um, worked and was ordained an Episcopal deacon. And I um, and I've done and moved to Virginia with my husband, and gotten to chaplaincy. And I am like Kathy. It's like you are yourself. You can be yourself. And I meet people where they're at in the hospital, and I love them and accept them. And I'm, I'm the mother. I'm the uh, confidant. I'm anything they want me to be. But That's what chaplaincy is, bringing the presence of God to people who really are hurting.
0: Allie novak Schofield, welcome uh, to Thank Religion you. for Life. Thank you. She's the senior chaplain at the Johnson Memorial Hospital in Abingdon, Virginia. And our third guest with us is Debbie Shields, the chaplain of the uh, Washington County, Tennessee hospitals, including Johnson City Medical Center. And Debbie isn't feeling well today, and, <laughs> and she's graciously <laughs> be, uh, appeared here anyway, even though her voice is a little, a little crackly, but I do welcome. I
3: apologize for that. Um, <clears throat> I grew up in Northeast Ohio. Uh, My hometown church, I was very fortunate because it was affiliated with the Christian Church Disciples of Christ and the United Church of Christ. Both denominations have a long history Mm -hmm. of ordaining women into ministry. And so I was fortunate that a path had already been paved for me, so to speak, in ministry when I entered into seminary. Um, My calling was a surprise to me. I was uh, double a uh, major uh, German in religion, and I was planning on being a German teacher when I got the call by God to go into the ministry, and it came out of the blue, and I argued forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ended up going to Vanderbilt Divinity School, which was also very embracing of women in ministry and gave a place for us to to be and to learn and to grow Um After I graduated from Vanderbilt, I served a small uh, church as associate pastor in Mount Sterling, Kentucky, while my husband was working on his PhD at UK. We lived there for four years, and after my husband's graduation, we moved to East Tennessee. There are just a couple of uh, Christian churches, Disciples of Christ in the area, and they did not have a pulpit opening, but my mother-in-law sent me a clipping from the Johnson City Press Saying that the medical center was looking for a chaplain for women and children, and I went to apply. I talked with uh, Carl Petering, Mm. and when the interview was over, he asked me if I'd like the job.
0: That was in 1996,
3: and I've been there ever since.
0: You've been there since 1996. Mm -hmm. Okay. How many chaplains are are you? Are there other chaplains underneath each of you, or?
1: Well, no, not under, and not in Johnson Memorial. Not a, are you no. the, are
0: you the only chaplain yes, there? 24/7. Yes, twenty four seven. Yes, twenty four seven. And job. same with you, Kathy. and, yes. uh, and uh, Marion. Yes. Okay.
3: And I'm blessed to have a, a staff chaplain with me. Okay. So there are two of us at the medical center.
0: There two, and, and with, in your case, it also includes Franklin Woods or
3: Franklin Woods and Quillen, Our okay. behavioral health. Okay.
0: All right, so you have a number of institutions.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh. We also have Ron Goss over at Franklin Woods. He's a part-time chaplain, so we're blessed in Washington County to have good support. Okay,
0: okay. So what is the typical day uh, in the life of a hospital chaplain? Mm.
1: There is no typical day. <laughs> there's, no there's no typical, typical day.
0: day. <laughs> is that, maybe the typical day is there's no typical day. Right. So what was your day like uh, yesterday?
1: Well, yesterday when I arrived, uh, I'm Ellie. Mm-hmm. And when I arrived, I always go to the chapel. I have chapel time because I need to put myself in the presence of God and get myself ready for the day so that I can bring His presence to others. so I have to have i have quiet time, and then I go to my office, get the roster for the day, get my referrals, and like my typical day was yesterday, a doctor calls. Ellie, we need a palliative care on a patient. And my day starts with calling family, getting times set up with the palliative care doctor. And that takes a good a number of hours. So my typical day is not a typical day, but this meeting is very vital because it serves families who are in crisis and in need. Mm-hmm. And... um that is ultimately the you know the importance of of uh, my of my work helping families realize that maybe a loved one is dying and we have to as a palliative care team come together and help people find options so their loved one can have dignity and um comfort in their last hours or their last days or time we don't have a crystal ball but we at least give them options. Mm-hmm. And then after that, then I start trying to hit the floors and talk to the nurses and see see the patients. Um, and then the day passes mm-hmm. and um, try to always be encouraging to the staff and hold them up um, so that they know that they are appreciated and loved and cared for. Um, throughout the day and that their work is vital. So that's my typical day of yesterday. (laughs) All right, Ellie, thank you.
0: How about you, Kathy?
2: Well, Smith County Community Hospital also serves Francis Marion Manor, um, Mm -hmm. the the, uh, nursing facility up, up on the hill. And so I try to if if I possibly can, depending on how fat or how thin the census is at, at Smith County, try to divide my time between those two institutions. And I also begin in the chapel. We do morning meditation at at seven forty-five, because by eight o'clock everyone's hard at it, so we really need to to do it so this early. This is
0: something you have for the staff or anybody at, who wants everyone. to come. Everyone, yes,
2: and it's it levels the field beautifully because we we really do have a, a nice sort of sampling of everybody in the hospital. The the maintenance folks, environmental service practitioners, we're all in there together, and so we 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 feel our team membership at, at that time. And after that, I go straight to Morning Rounds. We have um five different stations every every single morning of the week and, and the nurses uh let us sort of sort of park and, and uh check over our census and review every single patient's case so that so that I can go in uh in, in an intelligent fashion and address what's wrong with each of the patients and say the most specific and holistic prayers possible. <laughs> on Tuesdays and Thursdays we do the same thing on the second floor with, with rehab. We do rounds with all of those patients. And after that, and knowing that there could be a crisis or a call right. to emergency at any time, I start going from room to room and, and mm-hmm. hope that that I can visit everyone in a substantial way before noon, so that afternoon I can get up and 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 do my best to address the hundred and six people up on the hill. Thank you. Thank Uh, you, Kathy.
0: Debbie, what about you? What's a typical day or yesterday?
3: Well, well, I've learned that a typical day is not a typical day. Um, Much like Kathy and Ellie, I Uh have clinical assignments and I make visits on those. I'm blessed to have five resident chaplains who also serve at the medical center. Um, Our goal in the morning is to to visit all the new admissions to try and and meet each new patient face-to-face and let them know of our services. I happened this my untypical day was last Thursday. I was in a meeting off campus with my director when the call came in that a code Delta had been called. And so my day, this was the which bus. I thought was winding bus. up around four actually started. This that's was right. the bus
0: accident that, that was Davy Crockett uh, students.
3: That, that's correct. And so by the time I got across the street to the emergency department, my corporate clinical chaplain who is my other staff chaplain, had already started calling volunteer chaplains. By the time I showed up on scene just a few minutes later, we had my four residents down in the ED, my other staff chaplain, my director and myself, and volunteers were beginning to come in. So we were able, till about 8 o'clock in the evening when the the Delta was finally uh, called off, uh, we were able to provide intensive support to families and patients and to the staff. So you assume that your day is going to be normal, and it's not. Yes. One of
0: the things, you really are uh, at uh, at whatever, ha- have to be available and to be open right. <coughs> to what might be happening in the world. Right. You, you, right. you have a structure, right. but you also know that that structure can be broken up at any, any right. moment.
1: Well, yes. last year at 3.30 in the morning, I was called for um, tornado hmm. victims. Mm-hmm. And that was the hardest day of my life as a chaplain, serving as a chaplain, because in the middle of that, I had—I was still going to class because I worked on my master's degree, and I had to go to class. I called my instru- uh, my instructor that I was going to be late because I was dealing with the tornado victims. And I went to class, had the support of my group, came back, had lunch, and two nurses walked in and said, well, we just brought the victim in, and I heard her name, and I just lost it because it happened to be the parish administrator of our church. She was instantly killed when she was going to see her brother, and um, it was the day after the tornado. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, how do I as a chaplain now hold it together? When my dearest friend for 14 years has just been instantly killed, and I can't tell anybody because their family doesn't know yet, that was the hardest day for me as a chaplain Mm -hmm. to to carry on the rest of the afternoon.
0: If you're just joining us, this is Religion for Life. Uh, My name is John Shuck, and uh, my guests are three chaplains. Just just speaking recently was Ellie Novak Schofield, the senior chaplain at Johnson Memorial Hospital in Abingdon, Virginia. Also with me is Kathy Haga, a senior chaplain of Smith County Community Hospital in Marion, Virginia, and Debbie Shields, the chaplain of Washington County, Tennessee, hospitals, including uh, the Johnson City Medical Center. And this is Pastoral Care Week, October 21st through the 27th. And so uh, these three chaplains are talking about their work in the hospital in hospital chaplaincy. what can you t- each tell us uh, um, a little bit what was that moment of, of ministry that you realized yeah this this is for me. I realize that this is an important part of, of what I need to be doing on this planet.
2: I have always uh, found great comfort and and I suppose reconciliation in the discovery that, my understanding of Sophia and my understanding of Lagos as it is conveyed to us in the prologue to the, to the book of John, it's the same thing it really is the same thing. Wisdom speaks to us in, in in the Old Testament scriptures and says, I walked with God from the very beginning. I was with him. I was his artisan we created together. And then in the prologue to the book of John, you have, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And for me, it's like, well, well, how do you do? It's so good to see you again. And and now you're with us in the form of a baby boy gestating in a woman's womb. And and I I draw such comfort from the Word and all that the Word is about and and all that it embodies. And it's at that very place where I find all all the unity and the wholeness that I need. And so I draw on the power of, of Sophia and Lagos when I'm praying and, and hope that I can be a conduit, get out of its way and let it move through me. And there really have been moments, and I'm so delighted, when people say, I don't know what you just did, but I, I felt that. I felt that in the area of the tumor, or or I felt that in the place where the infection is, because I think there is, there is something that they're crying out to, and all you have to do is stand there and let, let the answer come through you. And when that happens, you know you are definitely where you are needed. And, and, mm-hmm. and it's such a beautifully private moment that you, you, you know that it's, it's happening correctly because you're not performing for anybody, and, and nothing, nothing is wasted. I mean, it's intensely, it, it, it hits the mark, and that's what a minister wants desperately to do. And that's when you know you couldn't possibly minister more powerfully
0: anywhere else. Thank you, Kathy. Ellie? have yeah, is there a moment in in your ministry that you realized yeah hospital chaplaincy is where where you felt the call of the sacred
1: the call of the sacred for me is when I know I wake up and I am God's instrument. I think of a uh of an orchestra that uh when you you have an orchestra, you have the variety of all the sounds that make up that orchestra and all the blends that make it beautiful, and the music comes forth, and you are touched and you're enriched. And and when I leave the chapel and start to go out my day, I pray that God's song of comfort and acceptance and love and forgiveness and grace comes through me and that I can sing his song throughout the day. And when I can touch someone and be with them, especially when they're dying, and allow them to go home, that their journey is ended. That is the most sacred moment for me, that their journey is complete. And I've helped them to reach that with dignity and strength and the presence of God. And I was, be- I was able to sing God's song through me. And that's What chaplaincy is all about for me is his song because he asks me every day to dance with him when I wake up in the morning. And that's what ministry is all about, that I dance with God and I have that love affair with him and I could bring his comfort to others, especially on their journey.
0: Well, thank you, Ellen. It's very poetic, too. (laughs) Thank you. Debbie, what's been that experience for you?
3: There have been many, many sacred moments for me. Um, When when I, as a chaplain, am invited into somebody's life experience, whether it's positive or negative, at the birth of a child, at the death of a loved one, for me that's a very holy ground. And those are moments where I realize when I am able to bring compassionate care, um, informed by my own life experiences, to folks who invite me to journey with them. That to me, those are the most sacred moments to me. Um, Those are moments when I realize, God, you've called me to this ministry, and there are days when I don't completely understand it. But you have shaped me, informed me, and prepared me through my life experiences, through my education, through my interactions with brothers and sisters, some whom i haven't met yet but they invite me into their rooms and into their lives and into their experiences to be with them and to journey with them that's very sacred for me
0: one of the differences i've been a parish minister for for my ministry career and you 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 stay with people for a long time while you're in the church and even some of the cases in which i've churches i've served before some connections there but with hospital chaplaincy, I'm thinking you're, you're meeting people and you may not ever see them again. But True. it's also very, it can be very intense and, and because you're at a very uh, critical moment in their life. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. It does. So you really are able to meet people right right there where, where they need that human contact. And, right. and you may never know if what, what's going to happen. I would imagine that might be, you might wonder about, oh, I wonder what happened to that person that I saw in room mm-hmm. 36 Absolutely. or whatever.
1: Right, <laughs> yeah. definitely.
0: But okay.
2: you know. Oh, go ahead.
3: That for me was the difficult transition from parish ministry to hospital ministry because the hospital is such a transient community. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes insurance dictates shorter hospitalizations. Right. And so you really don't have time to build those um, long relationships with people. But uh-huh. it's beautiful to to be right there, like you said, at a very pivotal moment in their lives
2: Mm-hmm. Yes because let 's face it in the church, so much time and energy gets wasted on social issues and and crazy um quibbles that that we don 't have time for and we don 't have energy to waste on and when people when people are sick and scared and dying they 're not holding forth with stuff like that right they yeah. can't and yeah. And so we get right down to
0: it. And so you're able to meet people at really vulnerable times in their lives, right. and exactly. people they may and they may be strangers to you, and suddenly you're right. instantly right. connected. Right, yeah. and
1: and lots of times, um, when, especially when you get invited in, sometimes you go the whole journey with them, especially if you have cancer patients, mm-hmm. and they keep coming back to the hospital and keep coming back, but you're invited to to be on this journey with them. Mm-hmm. And and it is very difficult sometimes because you may come, you may have made a connection, and all of a sudden it's over.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And you will never see them again. They are with God. But you've had the privilege of being on their journey, struggling along with them, being their companion for the length of time that they've come in and out of the hospital. And, um, you know, uh, and I was blessed one time with one family that they made a uh, a stone cross for me, mm-hmm. and they left it on my church steps with a bottle of pop, orange pop behind it, <laughs> because the patient always loved the orange pop, and we always talked about that. So one morning I came to church on Sunday, and I found this cross and orange pop, and I mm. knew who it was from, yeah. but it was their gift to me for helping them walk the journey.
2: And there's some mm. now uh, we've we've all been we know that when when the pager goes off at three a.m. it's probably either a, a, a terrifying emergency or it's a deathbed, right. and there is something indescribable about that liminal time. That, that strange time between night and morning, and you get to come out into that, that pocket of time and you get the outrageous privilege of, of being with this family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, how do you even merit the grace and the honor to be invited mm-hmm. to, to such a sacred moment? Right, and, right
0: exactly. And- Tell me uh, what you would like people to know about you as a chaplain and about as the chaplaincy program at your hospital.
2: That we're absolutely here if you need us, uh, and we really are. It's not just uh-huh. a, that's not just a line. We're, we're here if you need us, and, and that we will do everything we can to meet you on your ground and, and address what you regard to be peace and, and serenity and, and the end of fear.
1: And I would like people to know that I'm willing to listen and just be present with you, and um know that god loves you and he puts his arms around you and he's loving you and i'm there to help you experience his presence and his love but on your terms Mm -hmm. not on mine And i suppose i would want people to know that
3: myself and my team at the medical center we we come with hospitality Mm -hmm. um We are compassionate people who care for those who are hurting, who are suffering, who are dying, Um, and, and our whole goal is to just bring loving care to all that we do and to everyone that we serve.
0: Thank you for that. And thank you for, for being there in the hospitals and serving people. I, people might not know to think about when they go to the hospital to think that there are people ready to listen to them and ready to provide uh, warm and compassionate uh, professional care. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, that, and that's very important. So thank you, uh, my, my three chaplains, Debbie Shields, uh, Kathy Haga, and Ellie Novak Schofield. Thank you for being with me on thank Religion you for, for Life. Us. Thank
1: you. We appreciate it.
0: You've been listening to Religion for Life, a program at the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life. I'm John Shuck, minister at the First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. More information about my congregation can be found at fpcelizabethton.org. Information about Religion for Life, including upcoming shows and podcasts, can be found at religionforlife.me. Also, check for Religion for Life on Facebook twitter and itunes religion for life is a co-production of wets fm and wets hd1 johnson city tennessee and wehc fm emory virginia be well